the Bears are going to fuel the offseason news cycle. Yeah. Like Think about the franchises at the top of the draft. you got Chicago, Washington, New England, New York Giants, major, major, major franchises. And then you might have a, San, a Los Angeles Chargers team with a with a coach over there who, who was recently donning a Michigan Wolverine shirt. That could be pretty enticing also. Welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. I'm Dave Hellman. And you know, it's a time of year we expect to be busy. It's a time of year you expect to be surprised. We know there's going to be coaching turnover. We know jobs that maybe weren't supposed to are going to come open. We prepare for it. And yet you're never completely ready for days like Wednesday, a seismic day in the NFL and in the world of coaching, in the world of football, not exaggerating when I say feels like the end of an era on several fronts. If you are any type of football fan, we'll get into it. This is why we tell you though, please go find us on Spotify, subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. It's the time of year where you're going to want to stay updated because Hey, as soon as we get off the air here, something major may happen immediately afterward. That seems to be a theme for this week. Because if you haven't heard, look, we're already dealing with the uncertainty in New England and, and Bill Belichick's future. Will he stay? Will he go? Is he a New England Patriot moving forward? Hopefully, as you're listening to this, that news hasn't updated. We'll get to it later if that's what happens. So we're dealing with the uncertainty in New England. And then on Wednesday morning early afternoon, depending on where you are, the news comes down. Pete Carroll is out after 14 years in Seattle, one of the most stable franchises in the NFL since he was hired out of USC all the way back in 2010. Playoff success galore, Super Bowl championship, a second Super Bowl appearance, the fourth longest tenured coach in the NFL. So that's a, that's a big enough day. When the greatest NFL coach in history is facing uncertainty and potentially the end of his tenure, and then one of the other longest tenured coaches, one of the most successful coaches in the current NFL, Pete Carroll, he's done. That's plenty, right? Later on Wednesday, news comes down. Nick Saban, the legendary, iconic head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, is retiring. So if that all wasn't enough... Nick Saban certainly takes us over the top. One of the more memorable days that there's ever been when it comes to turnover, hirings, firings, retirings, coaching changes, truly a titan of the sport. And maybe you're sitting at home saying, why is Nick Saban being talked about on an NFL podcast? Absolutely not. Because who's done a arguably better job than anyone in college football of populating the NFL with some of its biggest stars? The Alabama Crimson Tide, 44 first-round picks during Nick Saban's tenure in Alabama. He had more first-round draft picks in the NFL than he had losses during a time that saw him win six national titles with the Tide, seven of them overall, one at my alma mater, LSU. Thanks for getting us back, Nick. An incredible career. And oh, by the way, 
The guy did coach in the NFL, too. He had a stint as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Throw this out there. The Dolphins' decision not to sign Drew Brees during his tenure in Miami, one of the greatest what-ifs in the recent NFL. So, yes, it's something we're going to talk about. We're going to get to both of them. Let's go back to Pete, though, because he is currently coaching in the NFL. I heard people in December and even early January talking about this as a possibility. And I'll be honest, I never completely believed it because if you saw Pete Carroll's farewell press conference on Wednesday afternoon, still a guy at 72 years old with so much passion, so much verve for doing this job. He's always one of the most excitable, passionate guys in the NFL community. And the Seahawks, look, it it hadn't been wonderful for them this year, but they finished with a winning record. Even this this downturn, the last year of the Russell Wilson era, and then the transition to Geno Smith, this is bad by the Seahawks standards. And they're still just 25 and 26 over Pete Carroll's last three years on the job. So playing 500 football, even as they try to find a a way forward after all of those guys left. Pete Carroll, three losing seasons, in 14 years on the job. Like I said, won the only Super Bowl in Seattle Seahawks history. Pete Carroll teams are responsible for more than half of the division titles in Seahawk history. Really put that team on the map. So yeah, I I was a little bit surprised to hear it happen. And having watched his comments, I'm all the more intrigued by what's going on in Seattle because when these sorts of things happen, it makes sense for an ownership group to to do a clean sweep to say, okay, everybody's gone, the general manager as well as the head coach. But in this case, John Schneider, the GM in Seattle, staying on. And I thought Pete Carroll made a couple of really interesting comments. Number one, he mentioned he wanted to have John Schneider to have the chance to lead the head coaching search. So John Schneider keeping his power as GM, basically getting a step up in authority because Pete and John, during this run of success in Seattle, have kind of shared these duties. Pete Carroll has several times referred to it as a marriage. Sounds like it's going to be John Schneider running the show here moving forward. And this is me reading tea leaves, but it sounds like Pete Carroll agreed to go to give him that shot. Again, a very telling quote from this press conference. Pete Carroll said, I competed pretty hard to be the head coach, just so you know. Doesn't sound like a guy who was ready to step down or ready to stop coaching. He said at the end of his presser that he's just as enthusiastic. He's not beaten down by the rigors of the NFL season. So I'm reading between the lines. I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but it sounds like Pete Carroll had the choice of you step down or we do clean house and we just go in an all new direction. So at the very least here, Pete Carroll is going to be in some sort of advisory role. sounds like his relationship with John Schneider is still very good. And John Schneider is going to try to keep some sense of continuity between the Carroll era and whatever comes next moving forward. So we'll see where this goes. If we're talking candidates, there's a couple of names that immediately come to mind. I know as soon as it happened, Social media lit up with the name Dan Quinn, and understandably so. Superstar defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys getting ready for their playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. Dan Quinn also was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons for several years, got them to the Super Bowl against New England famously. And, oh, by the way, was an assistant in Seattle under Carroll for four years. Assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, coached the original Legion of Boom, 
So if you want to keep the vibes going with the Carol ethos, makes a ton of sense. I get it. I think you would also throw out Shane Waldron, the current offensive coordinator, came up under Sean McVay. So it's a coaching tree that is all the rage in the NFL right now. And he's been in Seattle for two, for, excuse me, three seasons. So again, kind of keep the vibes going. Another name that I would like to throw out, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator Dave Canales served under Pete Carroll in a variety of different roles for 13 years. He just left. Tampa Bay hired him to be their offensive coordinator this year. I'm not going to say the Bucs had the best offense in football, but he did help them reach the playoffs, and he coached Baker Mayfield to the best year of his career. So Dave Canales, plenty of history with that organization. If they want to bring him back, crazier things have happened. And then all of the other major candidates, I think, make a ton of sense as well, whether it's your Ben Johnson, whether it's your Mike McDonald, whether you want to talk about Jim Harbaugh potentially making the leap to the NFL. I think all those names are on the table as well, but that's a handful of guys with very obvious ties to the organization that I think are worth talking about. So there's all that. And then again, let's, I mean, let's dive into this Nick Saban thing because I don't think you can overestimate the impact that this guy has had on the league. I already mentioned the draft picks. I already mentioned the impact he's made on the sport of college football. I rattled off the national titles, 292 wins, the seven national titles, somehow still second in wins at Alabama to Bear Bryant by a very, very comfortable margin. There's so much to consider about what this means for college football, who replaces Saban at Alabama, what it means for the SEC, what it means for the sport as a whole. Another insane stat that you can read off. I read that any player that played four years for Nick Saban at Alabama won at least one national championship. That is the consistent dominance that we saw. I would assume we'll never see anything like it again. I'll let my guy Joel Klatt get into all of that over on the Joel Klatt show. This is an NFL show, but like I said, the the implications, the impact that Nick Saban had on the NFL can't be understated either. Nick Saban was the defensive coordinator for Bill Belichick on the Cleveland Browns way, way in the long ago in the 90s before Belichick became what he was at New England, obviously before Nick Saban transitioned to the college game and everything from there. That relationship between New England and Alabama has been alive and well for the better part of two decades now. I also count, I believe, seven former or current NFL head coaches who came up under Nick Saban, whether that's Pat Shermer, Adam Gase, Jason Garrett, Mike Malarkey, even Lane Kiffin, who got his NFL shot before he got involved with Saban in college. How about Brian Dable, current head coach of the New York Giants? How about who we just mentioned, Dan Quinn, who coached for Saban briefly and now maybe getting another head coaching opportunity here in the coming weeks? So yeah, Nick Saban's impact has stretched far beyond just the college game, deep into the NFL. Mentioned the amount of talent that his program has put into the NFL as well. Actually, over on our social channels, I'm going to try my best to come up with a top five Nick Saban Alabama players. I'm not looking forward to it. You can go find that and tell me where I got it wrong. It's a long, long list in case you're not familiar. So yeah, a little bit of a busy Wednesday. And the irony of the whole thing was that it popped off at just the wrong time. You get into this business for long enough, that's going to happen. Because if you know, Thursday is the day that we talk to our guy, Peter Schrager. 
tied in all over the NFL. Our Fox Sports NFL insider knows everything and everybody in the league. And when you know it, we had already talked to Peter when Pete Carroll and Nick Saban made these collective announcements. So we missed it. We didn't get it. Charge it to the game. That's what happens in the podcasting industry. But there's still plenty of interesting stuff going on in the NFL. We had a chance to talk to Peter about Bill Belichick, talked about the weirdness in Nashville with Mike Vrabel's departure from Tennessee, not to mention in Chicago, Matt Eberflus is staying on with some offensive changes. Talk to him about all of that. Oh, and by the way, we revisited his call of the season, putting everybody on notice about Puka Nakua way back in September. So still a plenty productive conversation with Peter Schrager on the cheat sheet presented by Honda. All right, Peter, I'm going to call it guests choice this week. There's three very interesting coaching situations happening in the NFL right now. You got whatever's going on with New England and the lack of news coming out of there. The maybe not shocking, but I think slightly strange decision to move on from Mike Vrabel in Tennessee and uh, the decision of the Chicago Bears to keep Matt Eberflus, but part ways with Luke Getze and some of the offensive staff. So, of the we'll we'll cover all of them, but of the three of those, where do you want to start? What gets you going the most? Let's start in New England, where I've got sources there who are on staff and under contract and are working away like they would any other week in the NFL this week, and they have not been told anything otherwise. And it is now we're recording this on Wednesday. Season ended on Sunday. There are no games for the Patriots in the near future. There were exit interviews this week, but uh, there has been no news and no movement out of New England, and I'm not sure where this thing goes. I have been told that this is obviously not just a Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft decision. I'm told that Jonathan Kraft is heavily involved. But remember, as we always try to do when we talk about these coaching hirings and firings and moves and and changes – it's entire staffs and their livelihoods waiting and hanging in the balance too. So you're taking about not just an offensive staff, a special team staff, a defensive staff. You're also talking about the front office guys because Belichick's essentially both. So if you are to say we're moving on from Bill Belichick, well, you might be talking about 50 people who might be out of work and they're kind of all looking around saying, well, we're with Bill Belichick and we're going to work as if we still have a job under Bill Belichick because For the first time in 24 years being with New England, Bill Belichick referenced his contract on Monday morning. They had a a Zoom 7.30 a.m. And I've never heard him talk about his contract, never heard him talk about his salary, never heard him acknowledge a contract. And he said, well, I'm still under a contract. So as we record this on Wednesday, no bombshell news to report. And the rest of the NFL world is kind of staring in New England and saying, gosh, if I could only find out what's going on in there because there has been no leaks there has been no concrete stuff and as of now the 50 some odd people who are waiting to determine where their kids go to school where their kids futures are and where they're going to be living and what they're going to do with their jobs they're kind of going on as if business as usual because they've been told there's no reason not to other than the internet reports that you're reading I, I don't want to make too much light of it because I know everything that goes into that. Yeah, like those guys might not know where they're working next year or if they'll be working in the NFL next year. But like, what are 
what are you working on right now? Like, are you self-scouting the season? Are you diving into draft prep? Like, yeah, where do you, you even start? It's all of it. And like a lot of these coaches are in the building, even after their teams get like, they don't do the vacation until next week. So it's, you know, let's put a wrap on this thing. Let's do a full evaluation of every player that's on the roster. Let's get the coaches input. Let's get the front office input. And then for those front office guys and gals, like it's, it's already begun. And like, you know, it, it's draft prep starts now and free agency prep starts now. So again, just one of those deals where it's not the first time we've seen this, where a coach might take some time, but the, uh, the crux of it is, is there's three ways this can go. You choose your own adventure. A, um, Belichick stays and they maybe hire some new front office personnel. We figure something out. B, Belichick goes and it's on good terms and he's potentially traded somewhere or see Belichick's is fired and that's weird. And that's not how you would imagine this thing going, but um, should I stay or should I go? I don't think it's necessarily all on his hands, but yet we're, we're at the stage where I don't think he wants to stop coaching and it might be time for a change in new England. I assume you can't answer this because if you could, you would have like the bombshell news of all bombshell mm -hmm. news. But like, let's it's speculate. Easy. It's what we do. Let's just recklessly speculate. I mean, it's easy to get like the longer this goes on, it's easy to think like, OK, maybe they're trying to put a trade together. Maybe they're putting feelers out there assessing where Bill would be willing to go. Like, do you think that is even remotely accurate? I think that stuff would leak by now. I don't think though. I think those might be in their heads, and there might be a conversation in you know a, a dark room or in a smoky filled room uh, somewhere in Foxborough. But like, there's a lot of good reporters out there, and I consider myself one of them. And none of us are attuned to what conversations have been had with other teams. I certainly think there are enough leaks in a lot of buildings where if there was some softball calls made to an Atlanta or to an LA Chargers or to Tennessee, like that would get out. It hasn't. I don't I don't think we're there yet. And I think that's a possibility that it goes down that road. And I can connect a lot of dots to tell you what what place I think makes most sense, but it's just speculation. I remember in 2020, uh, it there it was similar, obviously nowhere near the resume, but uh, Jason Garrett's last week in Dallas was a very, very weird one. Uh, you know, Jerry, how did Steven that end up? Was he blown out? Was he fired or did he step away gracefully? How was it, it how did like it just sort of it just sort of came out after they had already interviewed like three candidates like Marvin Lewis. And I think even Mike McCarthy had already like talked yeah. to the Cowboys. And then after like six days, Jason, I, I think they sort of mutually said like, all right, this is, this is over with like, Jason's not going to be the coach of the Cowboys. He's cool with that. But I remember that whole week he was still at work. Everybody was still at work. It was, it was very surreal. So I can imagine considering everything Bill has accomplished, I can imagine it's even weirder yeah, I, up there. I in don't Fox think I, the last thing well, the last thing because it might happen, but like they don't want to fire Bill Belichick. That's not how right. they want this thing to go. They don't want him to go and him be, you know, kicking. I don't even know how to like that's not how this is going to end. And the crafts are really classy. Like they are a classy ownership group. They've done things the right the, the whole time. Even with Brady, that's so awkward how that was all handled. And yet, week one, who is being honored here? And who does Bob Kraft still consider one of his friends? Who does Bob Kraft invite to his wedding? Who does Bob Kraft invite to his 80th birthday? Brady, Brady, Brady. Like, if you're Patriots, your family, and I think Belichick's family. So like this, this is going to be an interesting one to follow. Obviously, that's that's cliche to say, and it's not giving you any insight and news necessarily. But 
I think it's a really unique situation because I don't think he's done coaching yet. And I don't know how that ends up playing out. It's it's fascinating. All right, let's let's keep it in the Patriots family, because I think when you talk when you talk about the fact that the Patriots job could come open, how do you not think about Patriots legend Mike Vrabel suddenly being available, which I'll just I'll say it. I don't think it's a great call by the Tennessee Titans, by uh, Amy Adams Strunk. Like, I, I don't necessarily follow the logic, but that's the way they wanted to go. What do you make of it? what I would make of it is we're not there every day. And, you know, it, to all, uh, to all players that I've spoken to, they would run through a wall and do anything for Vrabel from all coaches. I speak with Vrabel is one of the best in the league in a game management sense. So I always point to last year, Kansas city Sunday night game in Arrowhead. Mike Vrabel has to go into Arrowhead and play Patrick Mahomes with Pat, with, with uh, Malik Willis as his quarterback. And they're in that thing to the very end. I think they lose like 10-7 in overtime. And Mahomes goes on that Netflix show, The Quarterback. And he's like, that that guy is the best as game management goes. And as far as, you know, beating a coach like Vrabel says, week 18, nothing to play for. They knocked the Jaguars out of playoffs. Like, Vrabel seems to play for him. We are not there in the building. And from what I gather, again, rumors, he'll talk. It's like, when when you've got a guy as big as Vrabel, personality wise and voice wise, and like it is his building, and he's the head coach, but he also, you know, weighs in on all parts of the building. And it sounds like last year, Amy Adams struck the owner said we're going to change the front office up. I don't like how it is going right now, and it was John Robinson who was the victim of that. He was fired despite several good drafts in a row, and you know he gets blamed for the AJ Brown trade. Fine, they hire Rand Carthon. I'm told. Vrabel didn't have much of a say in who was hired, which, okay, the coach didn't have much say in the GM. That's understandable. Okay, the owner should be able to pick that. Um, the relationship between Rand and Vrabel, I'm told, is fine. It wasn't like they didn't get along. But now the owner said, okay, I don't love the fact the way our coaching staff has been assembled, and I don't love the way that the building is being run, so I'm going to change that up too. Um, every team is unique. Every owner is unique. I think the – sit down that the owner did with Mike Keith, the radio gentleman from Tennessee. If you watched a video, I thought it was kind of weird. Um, there was edits involved. There was like this like strange, like nodding radio voice of like Mike Keith who has been there forever. And it was like, just go in front of the, uh, the media and do a press conference. And I don't usually criticize ownership groups. That does me no good. I'm just saying as far as communications and clarity goes, I'm left saying, Oh, well, that was weird. You know, as opposed to, oh, well, that closes that chapter. And then you flip the page. Vrabel going up to New England and wearing that red jacket and getting his, you know, during the season, like, uh, I don't know. know, Others have reported it. I'm certainly not privy to it, but apparently that didn't go so over, uh, go well so over in the building in Tennessee when their coach during a tough season is out being, you know, fed like a king in New England and sitting with the owner and all stuff there. So you make what you want of it to me. New England, as if they are transitioning to another coach, I mean, Vrabel would be the perfect fit there. I just, I can't imagine he's going to be out of coaching job for long, assuming he wants one. But think about it. He's not for everybody. That's what, like, he's not. You'd think Sean Payton would be the perfect coach, but he's not for everybody. You think Harbaugh would be the perfect coach. He's not for everybody. So you have to find the right fit for Mike Vrabel. And there's nothing wrong with Mike Vrabel. He's a coach of the year. He's awesome. And players love playing for him, and coaches love coaching for him. But they're going to call that owner. What was the uh, Picadillos or what was the stuff that 
you know, made it that he had to be fired and not traded, fired, get out of the building. Um, what was it? And I'm sure there are some owners who'll be like, you know what, I'll take the young, you know, unestablished, new, you know, big bright eyed kid that we can kind of mold together as opposed to Vrabel who comes in with a ton of institutional knowledge and a way of that he wants to do things. I do. I'm reading between lines, but reading Amy Adams Strunk's statement yesterday, uh, you know, the, the top line was about like having synergy and cooperation across all fronts. And I just read it to to mean like you, you're not Bill Belichick, like you can't control every aspect of the football operation yourself like that. That's the takeaway just, I got from or, it. And Dave, like, you're not going to we don't want Bill Bell. We don't want that here. I want to play. Right, exactly. I, I want right. my guys to feel empowered. I want new hires to come in and have a big voice. I want everyone to play a role. And like, that might not have been in simpatico with what how Vrabel's running the building, which is fine. And in most places, when you've got a guy who's a coach of the year and has all that success, like he's earned that. Let him be the guy. But in this case, it wasn't. All right, let's wrap it up with the most recent news, at least as of recording anyway. Uh, Chicago holding on to Matt Eberflus for a year three after a, a fairly strong finish to the season, but it's going to come with changes at OC and at quarterback coach among others. I, I, I'm just, I'm a little confused and I don't have any beef with Matt Eberflus. I really don't like the way that they rebounded was very impressive considering all the turmoil from September. But when you consider what is now in front of them, like whether that's relaunching your offense with Justin Fields and doing a whole new thing or potentially doing what they've done before and using a number one overall pick on a quarterback and maybe having that quarterback have the whole staff go after his rookie year. I just, I felt like the bears had a chance for a completely fresh start and they opted in a different direction. I think the defense was excellent though. So the defense True. played really well. And Eberflus was calling the shots. Remember he was a defensive coordinator once Alan Williams was no longer employed by them. So you had the situation where Eberflus had the guys playing hard. They showed up every week. They won games with Tyson Bajan. The defense got better and better. They have a lot of young talent and the players love them. So that's one end of it. But the other end of it is like, all right, well, if you're moving on from fields, why would you just start with a new coach? Well, Iberflus inherited fields. So Getsy, I, I thought the offense played well. I was a little surprised after a couple of days that they didn't just bring everybody back. But it sounds like uh, there was probably a charge to, hey, you, you're going to keep your job, but we have to see something change on the coaching staff. This is unacceptable that you haven't made the playoffs in two years and that obviously the offense has kept us back in all these seasons. So, again, like it's funny because Getsy's – you know, it was one of Rogers' guys. Hackett was one of Rogers' guys. And it's, okay, what can you do with this? And I thought Getsy actually had a lot of success with Fields at moments, and I thought they did a good job getting Fields, you know, to to do the best things that Fields can do. Uh, it just wasn't enough. But I think that Week 18 game, nine points in Lambeau on national TV with everyone watching, I think that was probably the final 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 straw. Do you think, and I, I don't think this, but do you think that any of this is a tip of the cards about what they might do? Like, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, if all you're doing is changing the OC, then you're going to move forward with Justin. I'm not I'm not convinced I buy that. No, just yet. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced they know yet. Um, during the season, I've, of course, spoken with people in Chicago, and there was no indication as to what they were going to do with Justin Fields yet. I, I think we're going to have a long draft debate session uh from about february to april i don't think they're making any decisions yet and i think their best route if they are moving on from fields 
is to do what a lot of teams have done and the Chiefs did it with Alex Smith and we've seen countless teams do it with veteran quarterbacks is trade that pick, trade that player for a premium pick and pick up a couple things and then support the young quarterback obviously that way. So I don't think it will be um, decided just yet and they're going to keep that close to the vest. If Ryan Poles has done one thing, he's 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 kept his stuff there without much leaking um, over the first couple of years as a general manager. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think we said that last week. The Bears, the Bears are going to fuel the offseason news cycle. Yeah. Like, think about the franchises at the top of the draft. You got Chicago, Washington, New England, New York Giants, major, major, major franchises, and then you might have a San, a Los Angeles Chargers team with a with a coach over there who who was recently donning a Michigan Wolverine shirt. That could be pretty enticing, also. There's so much was going on <laughs> with the Titans and the Patriots. Like I, yeah, I forgot Jim Harbaugh. He's very much going to be part of this. Like I just, oh. I can't, I can't imagine what he's got left to go back to college for after he winning also, that championship. He also has this unique deal. And I reported this on Fox because I don't think everyone realizes the Rooney rule changed things, of course, in the process, but they also changed when coaches who could interview for jobs is, and it's January 21st. It's not until after the divisional round. Harbaugh is a college coach, so Harbaugh gets the first impression on all these teams if he wants to. If he wants to interview with the Raiders, if he wants to interview with the Chargers, if he wants to interview with the Falcons, the Titans, Harbaugh has no restrictions. He can do that right now. So he kind of has a two-week head start on the rest of these coordinators who are putting their books together, and here's who I would – if Harbaugh wants to come in and razzle-dazzle the Chargers, he's got you know a 10-day 10, 10 uh, runway to do that. And if memory serves, it just leaked out that he hired Don Yee. Am I, do I remember that right? Yeah, it is. Now, look, Harbaugh's had several agents in the past. David Dunn was his agent for a long time. So I don't make as much of a deal that he's got an agent that had, because Dunn represents a million coaches also. What I think is important is that he changed to the agent. And it's like, mm -hmm. this is my yep. sign to the market that like, here, I'm hiring. And if you're not familiar, Don Yee is Sean Payton's agent he's also tom brady's agent i believe he's also julian edelman's agent so he's big, a powerful big power agent. broker yeah big guy and like wise wise beyond his year like one of those guys that everyone looks to as a very um erudite and smart and you know they all swear by him as far as like oh don sees it thirty thousand feet and sees the entire landscape as opposed to maybe some of the other agents in the coaching community who have you know 40 clients and are just trying to get deal by deal by deal done all right. I mean, I could do this all day and and it's it's going to bear monitoring because a, yeah. at least one of these situations isn't done playing out yet. So we'll see. But before I get you out of here, this is something that I've been thinking about all season. Uh, I want to make sure we we give it some time here before we head into the postseason. And uh, I think the, the first time we chatted on on the NFL on Fox podcast, you gave me a list of guys to watch out for a couple of them, couple of them panned out, a couple of them didn't, but one of them, one of them was the greatest preseason call that I've ever been a part of. So I'm going, I'm going to run that clip right here. Next guy I got, I went with, he's out in uh, LA with you, uh, Puka Nakua, the wide receiver for the Rams. Again, you're not hearing anything about the Rams right now. Everyone's down in the Rams and Cooper cups. Hamstring is the big story. But they do have to play football games and they do have to have receivers on the field and they like Van Jefferson. They like Tutu Atwell, two homegrown guys they've had. But Nakua, who also 117th pick at a BYU, uh, an absolute stud during camp and preseason. And speaking with Sean McVay, he's very high on Pakua. Puka Nakua, 
Not a household name. Wasn't drafted in any fantasy leagues, but don't be shocked. They're playing the Seahawks and all of a sudden you look up and it's six catches for, you know, 58 yards. Puka Nakua. Peter, clear, like you have, you have wonderful information. If you're saying something like that, I know you got it from somebody who would know, but like not even the LA Rams saw no, Puka didn't. Nakua pushing for like all pro status, setting rookie records that have stood since 1960. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> incredible. I, it, it's, it's one of those that like, if I come out and I say, Zay Flowers is going to have a great rookie season and Zay Flowers goes out and has a great rookie season. Well, it's, he's a first round pick and we saw what he did at BC. My Puka Nakua call is strictly based on information from inside the Rams building. This is the difference between me and one of the fantasy experts. The fantasy experts can do the projections and they could say, well, Todd Munkin's coming in and this happens. And Jordan Addison ran this kind of offense. I am not... Uh, too proud to tell you that I am a hundred percent reliant on sources and and have no idea about schemes. Have no idea how to project who's going to do what and which offensive coordinator's offense. But I spoke to people with the Rams building, and they're like, the best player all August has been this guy Puka Nakua. I'm like, that's the coolest name ever. Who is he? Well, he's the 20th wide receiver taken. And I said, okay, let me back away from the Puka Nakua hype because I, I was going to go all in. Uh, and they're like. No, no, no. He has put the like he fits our offense perfectly, and Sean loves him. Well, Sean loves him. Oh, yeah. And Stafford loves him. Okay. And and Cup loves him. So if you got those three guys, now I'd be a huge liar if I told you I thought he would lead all rookies in catches and receiving yards. I would be an even bigger liar if I told you I thought he'd break records. I would be even a bigger liar if I didn't tell you he wasn't the number if I thought he was anything better than the number three in that offense. I thought it was gonna be, and if you go back, it's like at the time, they had Van Jefferson. So I was like, it's Cooper yep. Cup, it's Van Jefferson, it's Tutu Atwell, and then it's this guy, Puka Nakua, who's probably the fourth receiver, but is going to be getting action, and you've never heard of him at a BYU. Well, consider me a, oh. a prophet, if you will, or someone who just took a lucky swing. I'll, I'll take it both. That's my favorite part is like you you listed off a few guys and like, you know, Andre Yosefus in Cincinnati, all things considered, <laughs> had okay. a really nice. He had a nice year, right? And he caught a touchdown in week 18. I saw yeah, it. He had a nice year. But then, you, you know, we're sitting there talking about Puka Nakua, like making sure we're saying his name the right way. And he's like one of the five, 10 best receivers in the NFL this year. I just. I, I can't remember a, a time like that, like where just something so out of left field wound like, up being so accurate. You know, the only other guy that I would say in recent memory that would be like the biggest, and it's it's tough because the quarterback, but like if someone anywhere last August was like Brock Purdy's the guy to watch, I'd be like, okay, like get pay that guy all the money in the world, give him the Skip Bayless money, like do whatever it is, pay him to the huge contract, whatever we pay. <laughs> You know, I don't know what Brady's making at Fox, but like if someone could call Brock Purdy in 2022 to be what he was last season, I'd say that. But like, I'll take Puka Nakua as a nice silver medal. I think that was pretty good. Look, all I'm saying is, and like we we offer too many takes for all of them to be good <laughs> or for, for all of, for you to agree with all of them as a listener. But if somebody like Peter Schrager gives you a name like Puka Nakua, 
you should probably listen. Connect the dots. Connect the That's dots. That's probably coming from a pretty good spot. So I wanted to make sure we shouted and that hey, out. By the way, Andre Yoshivas, that guy right there, he's a wide receiver for the Bengals. Here's my prediction. Next year, he's going to have a huge year. Next year, <laughs> he's the guy. Let T. Higgins sign elsewhere. Let everyone else take it. Andre Yoshivas, also known as the Romanian Rocket, because the dude is Romanian and he runs hurdles. So that's my guy, Bengals. Right. So we we can pull this out next year after <laughs> T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd leave. We'll see what Let happens. Let them go. Oh, all right, Peter. It's always fun, man. I will check in with you next week after we've got some playoff games under our belt. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. All right. That does it for a busy show, even by playoff standards. A little bit more than I bargained for, but Plenty more coming. We'll keep you up to date on everything going on with all of the coaching searches. And oh, by the way, wildcard weekend is getting close. We'll have the full preview. We're going to break down every matchup. We'll have Greg Olson. We're going to talk Rams Lions with our guy, Eric Williams. We actually have Raven safety Marcus Williams coming on the show. We'll talk to him about his season, not to mention what might be waiting for Baltimore when they're done with their bye week. I'm so, so excited about our wildcard preview. Like I said, Go find me on social. I'm going to try to come up with the best Nick Saban NFL players from his time at Alabama. We'll see how I do. You can find it on TikTok. My, in honor of Bill Belichick, my face, wherever, wherever you watch that stuff. Instagram, InstaFace. I think that's what Bill Belichick says. It'll be out there for you to find and critique if you want to. I already mentioned it, but please go subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts the YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you get your NFL news. It's that time of year, baby. This is the, this is the stuff that happens. You never know when the next story is going to pop off. And there's six amazing games this weekend. We will be here for all of it. I will catch you all next time.